What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Friday, January 8th, 2020, and very rarely do I say this, but this is a podcast you're going to want to listen to today. We got a lot of news to cover, a lot of really interesting goings on this offseason, which has been painstakingly slow, painfully slow has started to heat up. We got those rumblings. I mean, not just rumblings. We got legitimate moves uh, about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago, when the Padres decided to trade for Blake Snell and Yu Darvish. But we got a big one yesterday. Probably the biggest trade that baseball's had in, in several years. I'm sure I'm leaving one out, but it, it, it feels like it's been a while since we had one that was really this huge, especially during the offseason. We've had some during the season, like the Granky deal to Houston was obviously a huge one, but during the offseason, especially an offseason as slow as this, to have a move this huge, this seismic, uh, gives us a lot of fun stuff to talk about, and let's just jump right into it. So yesterday, unless you were living under a rock, I'll recap for you. Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Francisco Lindor, star shortstop for the Cleveland Indians, was drafted by the Indians, developed by the Indians, made the all-star teams with the Indians, made it to the World Series with Cleveland, and Carlos Carrasco, who's been a mainstay in their rotation for years, were traded to the New York Metropolitans in exchange for Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and the Mets' number 9 and 10 prospects, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. Now, I like to cover both sides of this because I feel like this often happens when a star player is acquired by a team. All we talk about is the team that acquired him. Nobody, nobody talks about the team that gave him up. And I get that. It's the sexier story. The more interesting story to talk about is how good a team may be. But I do want to talk about Cleveland right now. And, you know, I do. I have a soft spot for the Indians. And truly, as much as they have destroyed my Tigers over the last several seasons, I mean, it's been a while now. It's been about five years in a row. They've just demolished them. I, I truly have enjoyed watching that core go to work. And it's time, and, and I think the writing's been on the wall for a minute here, but it's time to accept that the, the rebuild has begun there. Clevenger gone, Kluber gone, Bauer gone, Carrasco gone, and now Francisco Lindor gone. I, look, I completely understand the frustration of Cleveland Indians fans. Absolutely, 100%. Cleveland is a major market. It is. It is not Kansas City. It's not Baltimore. It's not some low-level, you know, po-dunk, small-market team. Cleveland is a major sports town, and their owners, the Dolans, have a whole lot of money. And they would have had the money to be able to re-sign Francisco Lindor long-term and still, you know, stay in the black going forward and probably been able to maintain a relatively competitive ball club, especially given this organization's affinity to develop young talent. They've done a great job over the last, you know, almost decade now of developing guys through their farm system. They've been second to none in terms of developing starting pitching, but they chose not to. And Dolan all flat out said, James Dolan said, Enjoy him. Enjoy him while we got him because we're not going to resign him. And that was a, a quote that a lot of people got really frustrated by. And I completely, I mean, that is like an insane thing to say when you have a team that's competitive and you have a star player that is as magnetic and as fun to watch as Francisco Lindor. It's all doom and gloom right now for Cleveland Indians fans, and I get it completely. I will say, I don't think it's a terrible return. Now, unless you would have gotten some, like, amazing prospect, unless you would have gotten, like, a Wander Franco or a, a Torkelson in a deal like this, there's really no one that you can get that you're going to look at and say, oh, man, I wish we would have gotten more. You get Ahmed Rosario and this Jimenez kid, both of whom were at one point pretty highly touted guys, two highly touted infielders who are not bad players. I believe Jimenez, or Jimenez, I'm sorry, finished seventh for rookie of the year last season, small sample size, of course. But as far as, you know, replacements for Lindor 
next year you could do worse. You could do a lot worse. Now, will it be Francisco Lindor? Absolutely not. And that's where I, I get why people are so upset. Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green, no, they're going to be projects, the number 9 and 10 rated prospects in the Mets system now in the Indians system. But it also needs to be acknowledged, Carlos Carrasco heading to New York as well. And you know, my guess is they probably wanted to do a, a one-person deal, but, and I've said this a million times, and it's worth repeating again today because we just saw it in action, you don't trade players, you trade contracts. And Francisco Lindor is a sensational player. But, especially in this day and age of building through the farm system, teams are not willing to dish out top prospects for a guy who's only going to be there for one year. Y'all may think that this is insane, but it's the, uh, to be honest, it's the truth. If the Tigers would have traded Matt Boyd in the middle of the 2019 season, they probably would have gotten more than what the Indians would have gotten for one year of Francisco Lindor. And that's why I do think it was smart to package Carlos Carrasco in that deal. You probably get a few more prospects than you would have originally gotten if it would have just been a straight-up Lindor for X number of players. So in that aspect, it is a smart move by Cleveland because I feel like just doing a one-year trade for Lindor, you wouldn't have gotten much back. And I think the mutiny from the fan base, it would have been it would have been pretty loud and understandably so. Cleveland is a real mirage because very often when you have a team that is has poor ownership, it leads to a poor front office as well. That's not the case with with Cleveland. They they have a good front office, and they develop talent well, and they've drafted pretty well, and for the most part, with a few exceptions, they've made some pretty good trades along the way, but they are so limited by the cheapness of their ownership, and it's got to be earth-shattering if you're a Cleveland fan because they were so close. I mean, they were as close as any team can be in 2016, and, and as great as that run was and as close as that team was, it was a miracle that they were there. And I know that's no consolation when you've gone 70 or 80 almost years without winning a World Series, but it, it is worth saying because that team was without Danny Salazar, who was an all-star that season. They were without Carlos Carrasco in the postseason. They had a rotation of Kluber, Trevor Bauer, before Trevor Bauer was Trevor Bauer, Josh Tomlin, and you had that dynamite bullpen, and Francona pulled all the right strings, and they came within a few inches of winning the World Series that year. It was an incredible run, but I remember when they lost that feeling like, they're so close, and they're probably going to get back there. And it's where a high-roller team would have splurged. It's where a team would have gone out and gotten you know, the equivalent of a Garrett Cole or a Verlander or a John Carlos Stanton. And yet, because of the cheapness of Indians' ownership, the only real big move they made was getting Edwin Encarnacion, who was good for them, but they ended up trading that deal after two years anyway and bringing back Carlos Santana, who ended up having an all-star season for them in 2019. It's like you just wonder what that team could have done and where they could have gone if they would have dished out the money to splurge on one or two more contracts because you always got the impression that they were pretty close. They were just never able to get over the hump. And following that 2016 run, they they, they haven't won a playoff series since then. And they've let several games in the postseason, mainly against the Yankees, slip away. So yeah, I mean, that will probably do it for segment number one. I didn't expect to talk this much about the, the Cleveland side of things, but when we return, we're going to talk about what's actually more interesting, and that's the fact that the New York Mets are kind of loaded. Did not think I would ever say that. We'll be right back. Hey man, there's NFL playoff games this weekend. Are you excited? You should be. And guess what? There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit 
on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, everybody. Before I jump into the New York Mets side of things, I know a lot of people are excited to hear about what I think about this deal. They are the team that just acquired Carlos Carrasco and Francisco Lindor, and I've talked about them. I've talked about Steve Cohen a lot, and I'm going to continue to talk about them more in this segment. But real quick, I do want to say something that I meant to say in segment number one before I even talked about any of this, and that's that on Wednesday's show, I alluded to the fact that there was a reason why Yasiel Puig had not been getting a lot of interest from some big teams. The Braves obviously acquired him last year. He tested positive for COVID, and then after that was never heard from again. And I'm not patting myself on the back here. You know, I'm not claiming to be some inside source, but I did know that he had been accused of sexual assault. I didn't know, and I must have missed this. I did not know that that had become public knowledge. And that's why when I went back and listened to Wednesday's podcast, it was a little bit clunky because I was talking about something that a lot of other people knew about, apparently, and acting like it was some big secret. In fact, Rachel Luba sort of addressed it on Twitter a few days ago. So I just wanted to bring that up and say I didn't know that that was public knowledge, but yeah, that's the big reason why Yasiel Puig has not had a lot of suitors over the last couple seasons, and uh, I understand why. All right, now moving on to the big part of this news story today, and that's the New York Mets acquiring Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Again, to me, it goes back to their new owner. It goes back to Steve Cohen, who, and you could say I'm being really hyperbolic here and blowing this out of proportion. That's fine. Maybe I have a tendency to do that. We might have an owner right now that might be changing the game of baseball. And what I mean by that is that baseball over the last, I'd say decade, maybe even more at this point, baseball owners and baseball teams have become hell-bent on building through the farm system, building through the draft, and the reason for that, and it's it's worked. It's worked for a lot of teams. It worked for the Cubs, worked for the Astros. It seems to be working for the White Sox and Padres right now. But the reason teams do that, quite honestly, is because it allows you to, one, put together a a quality product. It allows you to rebuild. It uh, it forces the fans to be patient until you build a quality product. But even more so than that, it allows you to acquire really good players 
and not have to pay them a ton of money, which means the owners get to put a quality product on the field and still earn a profit year in and year out. If owners didn't care about making money every year, they would splurge. Like Chris Illich could realistically sign Bauer, Riamuto, LeMayhew, and Springer to multi-year deals. The problem is it would mean that he would probably lose money in 2021, and baseball to a lot of these people is a business, and so he doesn't want to go about things that way. They'd rather rebuild through the farm system, and you pay these guys minor league deals or close to minor league deals for them to put up big numbers for you, and it has worked, but right now with Steve Cohen uh, in Queens, you have a guy who has come out and said, I'm not in the business of making money. I'm in the business of winning a championship. And that means that he is going to have the capability of getting whoever the hell he wants, of trading away whoever the hell he wants, and still maintaining a quality product at the major league level because the dude is made of money. This isn't the end. They might sign Lindor long-term, and you know what? I think they're going to get George Springer or Trevor Bauer because they don't care. And as an outsider, as, as somebody who's just a fan of baseball— Man, I think that is awesome because I don't know when it was. Somewhere along the line, maybe it was the A's with Moneyball. It was. It became about making money for the owners. It, it became about staying in the black. And that is not just a baseball thing, by the way. That That is, is a, a disease that spreads across all sports. You see it, I mean, crossing streams here, kind of. You're seeing it with Michigan football. There's no reason Jim Harbaugh should have a job being the head coach of that team. But the reason he does, and the reason why they haven't fired him, and the reason why uh, they've offered him, apparently, an extension, is because Jim Harbaugh has a brand. Jim Harbaugh brings in fans, and brings in spectators, and brings in a, a whole media circus, and allows Michigan football to stay relevant and make a ton of money. You see that in baseball. Now, it's about making sure the owners get paid. But right now, in Queens, you have a guy who has no interest in that and is going out and splurging and getting players that help a team and putting together a team that could compete for a World Series this year. Because they're not done. Like, right now, yeah, they're probably, you know, an 80-something win team. But I don't think they're done. I think they're probably going to get Springer and maybe somebody else because they don't care. Now, again, in the next four or five years, I'm sure Cohen will back off of that. I'm sure he'll go back, come back down to earth and run it more like a business. But for the time being, staying in this high roller sweepstakes, trying to build around that core of Alonzo and Syndergaard and DeGrom, the best pitcher in baseball, I think that is awesome. I'm about to say something I never thought I'd say, but I wish I was a New York Mets fan right now. It feels like there's been a culture change in Queens. The fans are buying in. I mean, that's as, and I mean this with no disrespect. That's one of the most miserable fan bases because for so long they had ownership that was so cheap. That's all changed. They have, they are the most intriguing team in New York right now. And that's really saying something because the other team, of course, is the Yankees who have kind of been twiddling their thumbs. I mean, this is reminiscent to me. It is comparable because Steve Cohen right now in my opinion, is reminiscent of George Steinbrenner. And again, we got a long ways to go. Maybe they won't, this thing won't work out. But like Steinbrenner was another one of those owners who was like, I'm going to get my guys because I can get my guys. I'm going to dish out the money. I don't care. I want a champion or a championship caliber team year in and year out. And as much of a ruthless bastard as he was, you got to respect him for the grind. That's why they were so successful when he was there. You're getting that impression right now that Steve Cohen is like, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to I'm going to surround myself with smart people and we're going to field the team that can win a World Series. And will they be able to? I don't know. And the the Mets are still kind of a snake bitten organization. Who knows who's going to get injured, who's going to stay healthy, but 
the days of New York Mets cheapness, the days of nickel and diming, uh, those are those days are done. This is they're in the high roller sweepstakes, baby, and I think that's very exciting. And I know I've spent all this time talking about ownership, but you know, we Lindor is amazing, and Carrasco is very good, and they're going to make that team better. And they're in a really tough division with the Nationals, who I don't think are going anywhere still, and the the Braves, who are going to be able to compete for a World Series. It's going to be a high mountain to climb, but I think they finally have people in place who are willing to take that journey. And I think that's that's insanely exciting because I I see what's going on in Detroit right now and it just it's just everything's so stagnant. It's just like stagnant water. And to see a team that doesn't have some loaded farm system that hasn't spent 5 years rebuilding that just has decided, "Hey, we got a lot of money, we're going to spend it. We got good players, we're going to build around those good players because we have the money and the budget to do so." I think that's awesome. And I really I truly am rooting for the Mets right now. Not just because I love Jacob DeGrom, but I root for any team that realizes the their potential and I think it's awesome what's happening there so big story New York Mets making moves they acquire Lindor and Carrasco they also sign James McCann and guess what I don't think they're done so that will do it for this week's worth of shows you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014 that's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014 you know the drill still on that social media hiatus or at least posting on social media but you can find there the link to all my other stuff, my YouTube page, Mason Brew. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. I will be right back here on Monday. Hopefully, we'll have some more awesome news like what we had today. I want everybody out there to stay safe, have a great weekend, and go Tigers.